Amen. Glad you're here. Uh, let me tell you a couple of things, just, just some information. Uh, this will be our last men's lunch of this year. We're actually going to take off the next three weeks, and so we will not meet the 21st. We will not meet the 28th. We will not meet January 4th. Our first time back will be January 11th uh, in the new year. So just want to remind you that. Uh, the next three weeks will be off January 11th. Mark it down, write it down, put it in your phone. January 11th, we'll start back. It's been a, it's been a good year uh, for our men's lunch. We started this year running about 50, 55, 60 in our men's lunch. We've averaged right at 100 folks uh, towards the end of this year. We've continued to grow. We want to pray that God blesses uh, our men's lunch every, every single week, an opportunity to come in here. What has God said? Uh, what does he say that it means to stand as a man in a, in a culture that tries to, for everybody to blend in, everybody to fit in, to actually stand as a man for the, for the cause of Jesus Christ. We lived in a, in a warped, messed up understanding of what a true man is. And so what a blessing to be able to come on Thursdays and say, you know what, this is what God has said in his word. It means to stand and to stand on your feet as a grown man for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So again, I want you to be thinking about the 11th. Uh, when we start back, we want to invite some folks and, and, and jump right back in uh, January 11th. Today, as we, as we wrap up another year, 2017, uh, heads very quickly to a close. I can't uh, really imagine how fast this year went by, fastest year I've ever seen. It uh, seemed like we were just getting ready to plan for spring, and all of a sudden fall comes, and, and now we're in the middle of winter. Very fast year going by, uh, coming quickly to a close. Uh, as we move now into our Christmas season, and it seems that all the talk, all the stories, everything you hear, and our eyes are set upon, and our focus is set upon the, the celebration of Christmas. Uh, I, I want to very quickly today, and it's going to be very straightforward, very, very, um, very planned, very deliberate. I just want to show you two things as we wrap up this year, as we move into the celebration of Christmas. Two, again, very quick things, but two very deliberate things. And that is this. As we wrap up today, as we, as we head into the Christmas season, I want to show you the good news of Christmas. I want to tell you what the good news of Christmas is. And then more than that, I, I want to tell you the truth about Christmas. These two things, the good news of Christmas, but not just the good news of Christmas. I want to show you the truth of Christmas. And so we start today, and the question is, what is the good news of Christmas? What is the good news of Christmas? And I think you could hear a whole bunch of answers depending on who you ask that question. You're going to get a whole lot of different ideas. And, and people might say, well, uh, the, the, the good news of Christmas is, is family and the time we're going to spend with family and the, the love that we're going to show to our family and friends. Or, or maybe it's a, a season of hope and peace. And people are going to have all these different ideas about uh, the good news of Christmas. As Christians... Um, hopefully we will say, and I think maybe we've been trained to say, the good news of Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you say, hey, hey, follower of Christ, what is, what is the good news of Christmas? We would say, well, it is the truth that Jesus was born, and he's born to, to Joseph and Mary. He's born in a manger. Uh, there's no room in the inn, and so out behind the inn, he's putting a manger there in the town of Bethlehem. And I think most of us would say that the coming of Jesus, that is the good news. Well, I want to tell you today, that is good news. For sure, that is great news, but it's really not the good news of Christmas. Did you hear that? The, good, the coming of Jesus, that is, that is tremendous news, but it's really not the good news 
of Christmas. I'm going to read starting in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 8, and I'm just going to move us through a couple of verses here to show you what the good news of Christmas is. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, says this. The actual historical recording of the birth of Jesus recorded by Luke in his gospel says this. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. In this same region, there are some shepherds that are out in the fields. The Bible tells us that. They're keeping watch over their flocks by night. The flocks have settled in. They're there maybe by a campfire keeping watch over their flocks by night. Verse 9, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Now I want you to think about this, this verse for just a second. We have heard that so many times. We've heard that and we, 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 we hear it and we see it on Christmas cards and we talk about it. Do we act like, well, that's just kind of a normal thing or that's an acceptable thing? Well, they're out there with the sheep and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord appears. Uh, I want you to imagine how crazy that is. That's, that's as crazy then as it is now. Here are these guys, they're, they're about their business. They're not, they're not talking, sitting there worried about religious things. And an angel of the Lord shows up and the glory of the Lord shines around them. That is a crazy thing. That is a, a radical, radical, absurd thing. Here are these guys and, and the, the, an angel of the Lord shows up and the glory of the Lord shines around them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Verse 10, but the angel said to them, I've never seen an angel. I, I can't even imagine what that is, what that, what, that must, what that must look like. But now the angel starts talking. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Very interesting. That would have to be your response. If, I, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what we've tapped into. I don't know what we're seeing here. But there seems to be an angel. Now he seems to be talking to us. You'd be terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold. Here we go. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Tremendous sentence. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Not for some of the people, not for the religious people, not for the rich people, not for, for some group that somebody else is excluded from. For all the people, I bring you good news which your response to that good news is going to be great joy. Really, he explains a lot about the good news. When you hear the good news and you understand it's for all people, your response is going to be great joy. Good news for all the people. And your response is going to be great joy. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. And here's the good news in verse 11, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here is the good news. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior. Listen to me. Hear this today. The good news of Christmas is that in Jesus Christ, in Christ the Lord, we have a Savior. That is the good news of Christmas. Well, I, I like the, the manger scene. I like all that. Listen, that's good news, but the good news of Christmas is that we have a Savior. You see, 
Maybe we miss the idea of this Savior. You know, we're working jobs and we're paying bills and we're going through life and I've got troubles and I've got good things. And maybe we go through life and we miss the, the idea of a Savior. Maybe, maybe we miss, and I think for sure we do, the, the understanding of a Savior. And we, oh, that's some religious word, and I'm glad for that. And we miss the true understanding of a Savior. I believe, and I'll, I'll just tell you in 2017, most of us have gotten over the need for a Savior. You know what, I'll make my way and I'll do my thing and I'll, I'll, I'll see that it turns all right and, and I'll, I'll go to some church and I'll maybe give them a tithe every now and then and, and when it all ends, I'll go and I'll get in my casket and, and somehow I'll be in heaven and we've gotten over the truth that we need a Savior. Listen to me, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, in our sin, in your sin, in my sin, in our sin we are dead. In our sin we are condemned. In our sin, we are lost. That's what the Bible says. In our sin, we are, we are without hope. I don't, I don't know how you ever gotten to the point in your life that you think, I don't know where I go from here, and you thought that was hopeless. Let me tell you, in your sin, you have no hope. There's not the possibility of hope. In your sin, you are perishing. In your sin, you will perish. In our sin, in your sin, in my sin, we are ruined. Literal translation, you are ruined you're unfit. You're no longer fit. In our sin, the Bible says, we have no eternal life. There's only eternal doom. The Bible says we have no chance of reunion with our loved ones. I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to see them again. There's only going to be eternal grief. In our sin, we have no fellowship with God. We do not have it now. You die in your sin, you're going to be separated for all eternity. Listen to that, as terrible as that is, we're not gonna be reunited with our loved ones. We're separated from a holy God. We have no hope. All of that in our sin. There's no eternal life in our sin. More than all that, and I, and I can't say this strongly enough, but I'm gonna try to say it. In our sin, God's anger towards sin, God's fierce, burning anger towards sin rests upon us and one day will be poured out on us. Go and read the last of, of the book of Revelation. Go and read chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. And it says, Jesus is going to trample out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. And his fierce anger is not going to be held anymore. His patience is not going to exist anymore. And his wrath towards sin is going to be poured out on sinners. We, we read those verses and think, man, I can't wait for Jesus to come again. What a great day. If you're in your sin on that day, it says with the sword that's in his mouth, he's going to strike you down. The birds of the air are going to eat your flesh. That's what the Bible says. You are under the wrath of God, the anger of God in your sin. Friends, in our sin, that is our fate. Now get this. And on our own, we can do nothing about it. Well, I, I've been going to church. Can't do anything about it. Well, what, what, what about some work? I've been, I've been trying to be better and do better, and I'm keeping some list of rules. No work can help you. You can't do anything about it. Well, I, I've become a religious person. Let me tell you, that doesn't do anything. You can't do anything about it. 
On your own, in your sin, you are lost. You are hopeless. On your own, you can do nothing about it. You need a Savior. Go through the Old Testament. Read that. Convinced of of their hopelessness, they cry out for a Savior. Isaiah the prophet, I I read there where where he says, and he cries out, oh, that God would rend the heaven. Can you imagine? This is a man, and he says, oh, that God would tear open the heaven, that he would come down, that he would be our salvation. He understood we need a Savior. That is our faith outside of Jesus Christ. We need a Savior. Here's the good news. And there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news of Christmas is in Jesus Christ we have a Savior. I could have ended it right there. In Jesus we have a Savior. We could have had a great lunch. We could have gone out of here and we could have been pretty excited. In Jesus, we have a Savior. We can walk out of here celebrating. In Jesus, we have a Savior. Jesus was born. We do have a Savior. We could end it right there and feel pretty good about all this. But I have to follow up the good news of Christmas with the truth of Christmas. And really, it's the truth of the gospel. And that is this. He is the Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Here's the truth. He's not your Savior unless you've received Him by faith. I want you to hear that again. I have to tell you the truth of Christmas. The truth of the gospel is Jesus Christ is absolutely the Savior, but He's not your Savior unless you've received Him by faith. How sad it will be to have passed through all of these Christmases to to have sung all of these songs, to go through all of these celebrations, tree after tree, all of the meals we had, all the times we had with our family, how sad it will be to go through all of these celebrations and miss the Savior of Christmas, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the truth. The truth is this, God is holy. He's not like us. He's pristine. He's holy. We we do a pretty good job of of trying to bring him down to our level. He's not on our level. He's holy. Let me tell you the truth. We, We have sinned. All of us have sinned. Every person in here, all of us have sinned. We, we start to act like maybe that's the downfall of the churches. We act like, well, your sin's worse than my sin, and I know about your sin, and your sin for sure is worse than, than his sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned before a holy God. All of us are condemned in our sin. All of us have sinned. God is holy. We have sinned, and our sin breaks our relationship with God. Well, if I, I can get enough paycheck, I'll be all right. If I can get around this corner, it'll be fine. If I can get my relationship squared away, it's going to be all right. We're looking for something. We have broken our relationship with God. Nothing seems right. If you die in that state, you're going to be separated for all of eternity. But I want to tell you, there's another piece to that. Sin breaks our relationship with God. But more than that, sin earns us a punishment. Death. We have earned death. By having entered into sin. That's the truth. But I want to tell you what the good news is. We have a Savior. And God is holy and we have sinned and we've broken our relationship with the holy God. We've earned the penalty of death. The Bible says if we die in that state, the second death, we're going to be cast into a lake of fire. But I'm going to tell you the good news. Here's what the Savior does. You see, he doesn't stay in a manger. 
He grows and he lives a life with no sin. And because he doesn't sin, he's able to offer his life in our place. Had he sinned, he'd have to die in his own place. He doesn't sin. He doesn't stay in the manger. He comes out of that manger. He lives and he grows and he lives a life with no sin. Let me tell you what the Savior does. The Savior, at 33 years old, having lived a life of no sin, having told people he's the Messiah, he is the Christ, the Savior then goes and he walks the road to Jerusalem. He goes to the cross of Calvary. The Bible says he's beaten until he's not the form of a man. You couldn't tell who he was anymore. They pull the beard out of his face and they nail him to the cross. That's what the Savior does. Let me tell you what the Savior does. The Savior takes God's wrath towards sin. The Bible says he becomes our sin. He becomes our shame. He takes my sin. He takes your sin. He takes my shame. And God's wrath is poured out on it. The Savior bears that sin. He takes the punishment for it. It wasn't his punishment. He didn't ever sin. He takes my punishment. He takes your punishment. Let me tell you what the Savior does. He takes that sin. He becomes that sin. They nail him to the cross. It's nailed to the cross with him, and he bears it so we will not have to. That's what the Savior does. Let me tell you what the Savior does. He sheds his own blood for the remission of sin. And I just want to clear something up. The remission of sin comes through the shedding of blood and it finally comes through the shedding of our Savior's blood, Jesus. Not through water, not through anything else. It comes through the shedding of blood which happens on the cross of Calvary. Let me tell you what the Savior does. He dies on the cross as the Lamb of God. He dies as the price of your redemption. They pull him off of that cross and they put him in a grave. Here's what the Savior does. With the accounts finally settled, with the payment fully received, having come as the Savior here at Bethlehem, having come as the Savior and gone to the cross, having come as the Savior and endured His wrath, God's wrath towards sin, I want to tell you what He does. He's in the grave. He's dead. Easter Sunday morning, He walks out of the grave and the slain Savior now stands as the risen King Jesus. That's what the Savior does. Here's the good news of the gospel. And in grace... He offers us his righteousness. In grace, he'll trade his death for our death. He is the Savior, but he's not your Savior until you receive him by faith. Now what that means is this, there has to be a day when you understand what I am a sinner And I've tried to hide it and I've tried to act like I'm not or sometimes I act like I am so bad I can't be saved. But I am a sinner and I'm hopeless on my own. And I can try to get in church and I can try to clean up these things and it doesn't amount to a hill of beans and I'm lost in my sin. But there was a Savior and He loved me so much He comes and He dies my death and He pays my penalty. And not because I ever got good enough, you're not gonna get good enough. Because of faith in Him, I get to take on His righteousness. I become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that I believe He died my death. and He was put in a grave and He comes out and He lives victorious. The Bible says if you believe that in your heart, And because you believe in your heart, you'll profess it with your mouth and you call that Savior, Jesus, your Lord. You will be saved. 
truth about Christmas is this. It's an awesome celebration. It does not include you outside of faith in Jesus Christ. I want to end this year by calling you, by offering you an opportunity to say, you know what, today I put my faith in Jesus Christ. You know what, today I'm, running, I'm tired of running on a treadmill, not going anywhere. I'm tired of thinking I'm going to do these things and somehow make God happy and I never feel like I get there. You're not. And today saying, I put my faith in Jesus Christ, my Savior, and I call him my Lord. Greatest thing you can do to end this year. Greatest thing you can do to start a new year. Greatest thing you could ever do is receive the grace of God shown through Jesus Christ. Settle it today. Settle it today. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask that you go with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for Jesus. Not some mystical name, not some magic button, but the Son of God, Emmanuel, who comes as the Savior for sinners. I'm thankful that as messed up as we get, as messed up as we are, as far as we get off track, that your grace is still offered to us, is still offered today. I thank you for that. I pray that today in the preaching of your word that our hearts are so shaped and so stirred that the men in this room would own up to their sin, would profess you as Lord and call you their Savior. I I tell you, Lord, I have sinned. I'm sorry for it. I ask that you would forgive me, Lord. I ask that you forgive me, not because of me, but because of what you've done on the cross. And I pray for us here today that do not know Christ, those here that do not know Christ, I pray that you'd come into our hearts and you'd save us. That we would leave here different than when we came in. We would come here, we would leave here in the grace of a kind, compassionate Father who gave his only begotten Son. And we would leave here with it as a settled fact. Help us. Change us. Save us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.